Hello, I'm Michael Watson, joined by Sarah Lee, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. Do Americans appreciate foreign nationals using their money to help Americans decide who should lead them? The Honest Elections Project recently asked people, and no prizes for guessing this, they don't. Joining us to discuss this finding and other findings from their national poll on election administration issues is Jason Sneed of the Honest Elections Project. Uh, Jason, welcome back. Uh, we had you on in 2021 to discuss what was then HR1, the big Democratic uh, federalization of elections bill. Uh, where has election policy gone since then? Well, first of all, thank you for having me back on the program. It's wonderful to be here. And I can also say that uh, it, it is very good news that the HR1 federal takeover of elections bill that you just referenced died with the last Congress. And so what we've actually seen over the last two to three years is election policy stay where it should at the state level. And a number of states have made significant improvements to their election laws, Georgia, Texas, Florida, and many other conservative states have uh, have taken slack out of their voting systems, given voters what they want, security and safeguards and transparency. And as we saw in 2022, those policies paid off with high turnout, high confidence elections in which repeatedly people said it was not difficult to vote. So you guys conducted, conducted or sponsored a poll? We conducted the poll, yeah. So well through through our C four partner, I should be more specific, but yes. Okay. Uh, so the poll that that uh, your your C four did, uh, what did what did it find about foreign influence in election administration? Well, it found that uh, very predictably, Americans do not think that foreign nationals should be influencing American politics. In fact, 78% of the public says that American elections should be uh, run for Americans, by Americans, and influenced by Americans. There is a particular person that, uh, that we were referring to when we were asking this question, and that is a Swiss billionaire named Hans-Jörg Wies, who has single-handedly pumped almost half a billion dollars into American politics to influence our nation on an array of issues and policies, including promoting the Biden administration agenda. He is not an American citizen, but he has had an enormous impact on American politics. So let's step back a second. It, my understanding is it is against the law for a foreign national to make a contribution to a candidate. Is that correct? That is correct. So what does... Vis do to get around that restriction? Well, he takes advantage of something that the left uh, loves to hate on, but also loves to use. And that is the dark money network that they have built up of C3 and C4 nonprofits. He actually controls several himself, and he funnels an enormous amount of money into the network of nonprofit funds that are managed by Arabella Advisors, which for those of your listeners who do not know, Arabella Advisors manages a group of these C3s and C4s, the 1630 Fund, the New 
Purdue Venture Fund and others that collectively bring in and disperse billions of dollars, with a B, billions of dollars a year to finance left-wing causes. And particularly through those C4s, you can then actually give money to PACs and super PACs. So you have an enormous capacity to influence politics and to make it seem as though that influence is coming from often grassroots organizations, but in reality is just left-wing dark money. And as you mentioned, while it is illegal for foreign nationals to give directly to a candidate, it is not illegal for them to uh, take advantage of these C3 and C4 connections, and particularly through the C4s and their dark money networks, influence American politics that way. Uh, Sarah, do you have any questions? I do. I actually have two. Um, the first one is slightly off topic. And thank you so much, Jason, for being on. I'm, I'm thrilled that you're back with us. We had a great, a great episode with you before us, as Mike mentioned. Um, so it's, it's wonderful to have you back. And for anyone listening who doesn't know this, Honest Election Projects and Capital Research, Honest Election Project and Capital Research Center work on a lot of the same issues. So we're sort of, you know, compadres in this in this uh, sort of arena. So it's great to have um, Jason with us. So the first question I have, it's a little bit off topic, but Hans-Jörg Wies also tried to buy a newspaper uh, or a newspaper publishing entity. Do you remember that? Well, Hans-Jörg Wies uh, does a lot of things behind the scenes, all under the the vein of trying to influence American politics. So he gives money to organizations, to activist groups, uh, attempts to influence media, and uh, and even runs ads promoting policies and priorities of the Biden administration. So uh, as, a, as a friend of mine, Caitlin Sutherland with Americans for Public Trust said, he is the most influential person in American politics that you've... Right. And, and the reason I bring that up is that, you know, why while uh, we're talking about sort of how this network of um, nonprofits has been working, I think it's important also to highlight to anybody listening that this this offer it was like something like six hundred and eighty million dollars. We covered it briefly. He ended up backing out. Um, yeah, this was the this was the Chicago Tribune, yes, right? Yes, like some really really well known newspapers. He ended up backing out because it got it got uncovered that he was doing it. Um, but this is something I think the American people are. Um, not aware of. And it's something that it's not even sort of this esoteric election stuff and nonprofit stuff. This is their news that they watch. So I just wanted to kind of highlight that. And then my question that's more, you know, germane to the topic at hand. Um, I'm sure you saw the the Ways and Means um, Committee sent out an open letter to groups like ours and other nonprofit entities to sort of ask questions about what uh, reforms could be made, how we should be thinking about. And and they focused a lot on on foreign uh, funding into sort of our election um, cycle. Um, what do you know about that? And, and do you, to the extent that you've thought about it enough to kind of answer, what do you think, what would you suggest to a federal government entity that has the power to sort of get some reforms made to combat exactly what we're talking about here, which is um, possibly illegal election interference uh, by foreign nationals? Well, I think that any policy response from the federal government needs to start from a couple of baseline positions. First, that we should not have foreign influence of elections. And secondly, that we also, of course, have to respect freedom of speech 
uh, and, uh, and, and our basic First Amendment rights. So we have to be very careful in any sort of response that the federal government would, uh, would undertake. Now, the ACE Act, the American Confidence in the Elections Act, out of the House of Representatives, has some interesting provisions in it dealing with what they've called the foreign influence loophole, which specifically is, uh, is what we've talked about, the ability of foreign nationals to give money to C4s that can then influence the political process. And it starts to go down a road of closing that uh, FIL, or fill, if you will, uh, loophole. And, and that's a direction I think that we should be looking very carefully at, making sure that, uh, that foreign nationals cannot take advantage of these dark money groups to influence American politics behind the scenes. But again, any policy reforms that we, uh, that we undertake, and I believe what the ASAC did uh, meets these, these burdens, must respect First Amendment, um, uh, uh, must respect First Amendment rights at the outset. What, what can, so can you tell me, and I'm sorry, Mike, this is a third question actually, but since you've brought up, and I'm familiar with the ACE Act and if, um, and maybe you could explain a little bit about what that is, but also you've mentioned uh, making sure it respects freedom, uh, the First Amendment right of freedom of speech. Um, what concerns you about closing this foreign influence loophole that might sort of intersect with that, with the, with the First Amendment? Well, we, we always have to be careful uh, when we're talking about broad categories like C3s and C4s, for instance, uh, not to, to get too far over our skis. So, for instance, if a foreign national wants to give to a C3 that supports a hospital or some other charity which is legitimately in the public interest, I personally don't see any significant problem with that. Uh, where you run into a problem, from my perspective, is when you have C4s that are attempting to influence the political discourse in ways that Americans do not want, and which I think is ultimately unhealthy to our democratic process. So there is a, a line there that I can certainly see, and you always have to be careful when you get into these line drawing exercises. But one thing that I think we always have to keep in mind is the fluid nature of the left's kind of amorphous C3, C4 blob. They all work together in very various ways, and they are looking for every opportunity through a variety of in, initiatives to influence American politics. And one of the examples that I like to point to here is the U.S. Alliance for Election Excellence, which brings together a variety of C3s to uh, to actually push politics. This is this is the into- this is the son of Zuckbucks, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Zuckbucks 2.0, as we call it. Uh, with, uh, with Zuckbucks 1.0, the intention there was to push grants and use enormous sums of money to influence election administration. Now this program uh, is aimed at the heart of election administration, pushing influence in politics into those local offices instead on a much more permanent basis. Uh, it's worth noting that the group behind this, the Center for Tech and Civic Life, which is a C3, has received money from New Venture Fund, and New Venture Fund has received money from Hans-Jörg And, and, C- and C- now, C- say- CTCL was the Zuckbucks entity, as I recall, was it not? Was. That's correct. They they got well over $300 million in 2020, and now they've got a new $80 million program that they have created called the U.S. Alliance for Election Excellence. And I mention all of this to show how pervasive and insidious this can be, but also to say that there is no silver bullet. 
you know, we, we should be looking very carefully at the role that C4s play and the ability of foreign nationals to give to C4s, and then the money can wind up in PACs and super PACs. But there is no absolute way to completely close off the foreign influence loophole. And that being said, I do think that state legislatures and local election officials should be asking very careful questions uh, whenever they are approached by, for instance, the Center for Tech and Civic Life, as to whether that organization is taking directly or indirectly foreign money. That's something which I think the public has a right to know. So moving on from uh, Vs and the foreign nationals issue, what were some of the other findings uh, in the Honest Elections Project Action poll that you guys uh, think are worth highlighting? Well, I think that the poll we got out of the field shows very carefully and and clearly that Americans continue to favor election integrity and election safeguards. So, for instance, photo identification requirements. Uh, This is if you talk to almost anyone who writes for The New York Times, The Washington Post, or any other mainstream outlet, the most racist and discriminatory policy that you could possibly impose on an election system. But today, 88% of Americans think that everyone should have to show a photo ID. 88%, including well over 80% of Black and Hispanic voters, the, the the communities of voters who are allegedly targeted and discriminated. So why do, so why do progressives claim that it's so beyond the pale? Well, I think that they understand that they have lost on uh, these election integrity issues, and the only thing that they have available to them is to make noise. It's sort of that old adage um, about uh, about lawyers. When you have the law on your side, pound the law. When you have the facts, pound the facts. And when you have neither, pound the table. And that is what we see them do time and time again. They simply attack these laws as discriminatory and hope to chill the conversation because they understand that overwhelming and growing majorities of Americans actually favor these policies. And if they confront them on the merits, they will be laughed out. It doesn't seem like much representative democracy when you see a poll like that. I think you guys highlighted in your poll that states like New York, uh, it was on the allowing non-citizens to vote and how unpopular that is, but states are still implementing it. And it's sort of like, okay, our power, our, our legislators are kind of running away with the message here. They're not actually representing the people. Well, that's 100% right. In fact, a lot of the effort on the left has been essentially designed to drown out the voices and the wishes of the vast majority of the American public, the, the bipartisan, you know, non-political elites in this country who just want elections where it is easy to vote and hard to cheat. And on the non-citizen voting piece of this, you know, you're absolutely right. The the nation's largest city, New York City, passed a law enfranchising non-citizens. Now, that law is currently held up in the courts, but Washington, D.C., the nation's capital, followed suit with a law that is so lax in its standards that you merely have to be a resident of the city for 30 days to vote, which means you can be an illegal alien and vote. You can be a spy sent to the United States from communist China, and as long as you're not living on their embassy grounds, you can vote in American elections. That is the absurdity of these kinds of laws that are so out of touch with the American electorate. And even the Washington Post 
Post condemned that law as a blatant attempt by the D.C. City Council to create a new electorate that was more progressive to match the city council's politics. So, you know, we believe in a democracy that people should choose the government. And yet here with these policies to enfranchise non-citizens, to give the right to vote by mail to felons sitting in prison cells and to lower the voting age, all unpopular policies, you literally see governments trying to choose their people to ensure that they get the politics that they want. It completely reverses what a democracy should look like. So um, I guess then the question becomes if we, as, as you know, the elect, if, if we as a people sort of don't want that to happen, don't want, I mean, obviously you hear on the left all the time when they're discussing redistricting, when they're complaining about Republican states doing redistricting, never complaining about dem- Democratic states doing redistricting. Funny how that works. Um, the, you know, they'll complain about legislators choosing their electorates. Well, if, if, you know, people are alarmed by the sort of use of the election administration system to shape the electorate, uh, what can be done about it? Uh, well, we see that the left is taking advantage of its tremendous resources and organization to try to skew politics and to try to skew the administration of elections. And, um, you know, what we see with the U.S. Alliance for Election Excellence is how this morphs from Zuckbucks 1.0 to Zuckbucks 2.0 when states and localities change their laws. You know, in, in between 2020 and 2022, about half the states passed laws to ban private election funding. So then you create a new organization that channels influence rather than money and lets organizations buy their way into a membership program, a very blatant attempt to evade those laws. You see the funding of left-wing litigation. And here, too, since we had originally talked about the influence of Hans-Jörg Wies, Wies finances redistricting litigation efforts, Eric Holder's operation. So we have a foreigner who is giving money to a whole variety of organizations, is giving money to New Venture Fund, which turns around and gives money to the Center for Tech and Civic Life, and is giving money to a group which is litigating to determine the composition of the United States Congress. It's a very pervasive operation. Ultimately, I think that the beginnings of of rooting this out are transparency. And then I think you need to look at what the federal government can do to close the foreign influence loophole that we mentioned. And then I think you also have to look at what state and local governments can do. Any locality that is approached by, for instance, the Center for Tech and Civic Life or its partners should be asking, are you receiving foreign money? And state legislatures should be looking very carefully at their laws. In fact, we have model policies that allows state legislatures to pass laws ensuring that at the very least organizations that are offering election administration assistance have to certify that they have or have not received foreign money so that the public understands the influence behind the scenes at the the, the local level, at the granular level in new, what is supposed to be neutral election administration. Do, do you make those model policies available to the public by any chance? Uh, yes, we do. And we are expecting to have those posted all online very shortly as part of a slight website. Cool. That, that would be great. And I, I would love to point people to, to, to those kinds of efforts because sometimes I think people just get frustrated with, you know, their legislators. They're like, they're not doing anything. And they don't know that there are people like Alec and Honest Elections who are actually writing policy that can be adopted. So when those go up, please do let me know and we'll, we'll get those pr- promoted for you as well. I appreciate that. Thank you. 
Well, Jason, uh, before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about? Well, I encourage everyone to continue to check out our website, Honest Elections, for those model policies and some forthcoming materials that we're putting together. I also encourage folks to check out a coalition that has assembled on the right against ranked choice voting, which is also something where we're seeing the left push systemic and structural electoral changes to advantage themselves. And there is a conservative coalition that has come together to resist ranked choice voting called Stop RCV, and that can be found at Stop rcv.com. And that network is engaging all across the country. We are watching a multi tens of millions of dollars effort coming from the left's biggest donors, many of which are tracked on Influence Watch, for instance, trying to bring ranked choice voting to local and municipal elections, to state elections and to federal elections, lobbying legislatures and pushing ballot measures, often disingenuously when legislatures don't play ball. This is absolutely the next attempt by the left to change the election system for its own advantage. And we are getting geared up to uh, to engage on that all across the country. So I encourage folks to check out Stop RCV as well. All right. Well, thanks again to Jason Sneed of the Honest Elections Project for joining us. We will include a link to the poll results memo in today's show notes. That's our show for this week. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week. Thank you.